to death and aliens an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi tv from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing i'm mk and i'm monica and um happy new year it's 2021 happy freaking new year it is 2021 finally uh nothing's changed <laughs> well, i don't know maybe nothing. maybe like the world will end at midnight and this podcast will never actually go out oh my god that'd be insane everyone knows we film a week in advance so like we are filming a week in advance it's not 2021 for us yet but it is for you listening so yes. um, how's it how is it out there let us know in the comments yeah oh. Um, yeah, so it is actually only December 28th for me. And just, uh, December 27th for me. Um, we waited till after Christmas to film because, you know, busy with holidays and stuff. Although I was not really that busy. I, uh, just went to a spa twice and stayed in a five-star hotel because if I'm going to be alone on Christmas gonna be alone in luxury exactly see i was dealing with the whole spending time with family obviously and obviously safely and uh saw my boyfriend and just did the whole hullabaloo that goes with christmas i also am officially old and i know that i'm officially old because i have started to get alcohol face alcohol face remember when we were on facetime on christmas morning and my chin was bright red oh yeah because i was drinking because then a couple days later i was drinking wine and it happened again my chin now turns fire engine red when i'm drinking yeah that was happening to mom on christmas literally like right here and all under her neck turned red from drinking. nowhere else just my chin like it looks like i have like rosacea but it's just when i'm drinking <laughs> hey you know what at least because i don't know when you're drunk now because we're filming at a different time than usual it is morning for me so i will not be drinking tonight got a it's not night that's why um i might drink tonight i don't know um <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. my uh, starbs. And as for me, it is currently quarter of 10. And so that's why I look this good. Because we all know in the morning, in every video, if you watch them on YouTube, I do not look this put together. But ever. The Death and Aliens New Year's resolution for 2021 is to not look like shit in any of our podcasts gonna be rough for me because I wake up in the morning I literally like roll out of bed talk to Mary Kate for an hour before we start filming I'm like okay yeah we're good to go and it's like push my hair back and I'm like you know that's why you do your makeup you do your makeup Friday night before you go to bed and then Saturday morning you just touch up anything that has melted and put your eyelashes on oh yeah my skin will love me for that we all yeah. suffer we all suffer for the things we care about it's true that is true or you can uh, just sit with me for the hour beforehand while i get ready i always sit with you for an hour beforehand you just don't get up and get ready that is also true i woke up at eight o'clock this morning and i have makeup on 
That's true. I'm proud of you. I look like a fairy princess. And I look like it's 2008. And I'm an emo kid. You don't even know what it was like to be an emo kid in 2008. We lived a struggled no, life. I don't. Um, but I was like, I saw you and I was like, yeah, yeah. vibe with it. Um, I saw a TikTok the other day that was like, what did you get bullied for in high school that is now cool? And it was there's this guy in ripped skinny jeans holding his guitar and he was like, when I was a kid, being emo was not cool. And I was like, yeah, dude, yeah, same. I literally, yeah. my freshman year of high school, it was like weird to be emo. So then I like forced myself to be preppy for the last three years of high school. And then as soon as I dropped, not dropped out, as soon as I graduated. <laughs> as I soon as I dropped out. <laughs> as soon as I graduated and then I dropped out of college, I, you know, said, you know, frick it. I want to be emo again. Now here I am. See, um, I went to a school that didn't let me have unnatural hair color. One time when I, I, I was a redhead in high school, for those of you who did not know me in high school, and obviously it was not natural, um, but it was a natural hair color, so it was okay. And then one time I did my hair red and it was a little too purple. And so the school tried to like start a fight with me because my hair was not a natural color. And my dad straight up said to the school, the hair dye she used was called natural instincts. That's pretty damn natural to me. <laughs> also, what do you do if a kid dyes their hair a random crazy color where you think, go shave your hair? Like, what? No, they literally would tell you not to come back to school until it was gone. I didn't go to public school. They can do whatever the fuck they want. That's true. But yeah, no, my dad straight up goes, um, the bottle says natural instincts. She's not skipping late, leave it. She's not changing her hair. <laughs> I love that. I was like, thanks, Dad. So then I graduated high school and I went to college and I immediately said, cool, I can do whatever I want now. And I had blue, purple, and green hair all within three weeks. I love that for you. I tried to dye my hair black and it didn't work and it turned blue and then it faded to purple and then it faded to green. So none of it was really intentional. But that's why you don't buy cheap packs on hair dye. Facts. I have had my hair pink, blue, purple, orange. No. what other, green it was green for a hot minute um yeah those are the colors that, and then black red, red purple red black. purple green pink oh and blue. red i had it red too red purple green pink blue uh black blonde brown you know I've done a lot. Teal. Ooh, my hair was teal for a little bit. I want to go back to the teal. I had I had teal as well. And then my normal hair color is like a mousy brown. 
and then I would put I had like dark roots and then like blonde ends for a little bit which is a really cute look for me I love and miss it a little bit natural hair color is uh blonde but like more of like a level six or seven blonde and I really want to be like a level nine Which that means me nothing with to black people hair. who don't have any eye. And, and just watch some Brad Mondo videos and you'll know what those levels mean. Facts. And then there's me with my black hair. As you guys know, if you watch the podcast, my hair went through a little bit of a changing sequence for a little bit there. Um, my hair was orange for about a month. And then I was just like, I can't touch it up. And none of the salons here are open. So I am not going to be getting touched up for the holidays. And you know what? My hair kind of feels like straw. I'm going to dye it black again. And so I did. And now these little front pieces from when I bleached my hair, I didn't cut them like that. They just kind of went and sizzled. So Remember remember when you bleached it and you were like, you know what? It's actually not damaged that much at all. I didn't notice that until afterwards, Mary-Kate. And you know what? The sass is not appreciated right now. Honestly, I'm just jealous because I have not had my hair touched in over a year. Ah, because my hair's getting. I live though, which I love. I live in Asia, and there's some things you should know about. This is not being racist or stereotypical. Um, Asian hair is naturally very fine. Obviously, there are exceptions. There are exceptions everywhere. But in general, Asian hair is naturally very fine. And very, very few Asian people have curly hair. Almost every Asian I've ever met with curly hair is mixed. Mm-hmm. I went to a salon once just to have them wash and brush my hair. And they made me brush it myself. They didn't know what to do with it. And we all have very thick hair. I have very thick curly hair. And it is naturally blonde, but bleached lighter. So I, um, I will not be getting my hair done until I get back to America. So Monica, not you, Monica, my hairdresser, mm-hmm. Monica, if she sees this, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <sighs> yeah. It's going to be a fun time when you get home. We have it's going to be like an eight-hour session to fix this. The only problem is I really want to do um, a teal shadow root into like a pl- ice blonde. But um, I'm in my best friend's wedding two weeks after I come home. And my bridesmaid's dress is Tiffany blue. I need so, a lot of blue going on. I cannot do I cannot do the tail till after the wedding. Yeah. At least you can go get the blonde done. Yeah. So then At least I will fix the blonde down. and cut off all the dead shit that's on my head. There you go. There you go. But I literally had that realization. I was looking at the pictures of what I want to do to my hair. And I looked behind me at the bridesmaid dress hanging up and I go, Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> see and then when i get married it's gonna be black everything black wedding dress black hair smoky eye not black lipstick probably like a red for christmas i taught my parents how to use pinterest and 
they were looking at my wedding board on my Pinterest and my mom goes, I hope you find someone who's rich because you have very expensive taste and none of this is gonna happen. And I said, mom, I am living through a global pandemic and have, I'm staying in the Hilton for shits with no reason by myself for the second time this year. I never pretended to have a cheap taste. <laughs> there you go. I also want a baby cow at my wedding, but she said you can't have a cow in a castle. Rude. Ew, if, what? That's why me and you were going to run away into a cottage and disappear with a fluffy cow. Plain and simple. Plain and mother fluffing simple. This week, we are talking about Hamlock Grove, Season 2, Episode 9, Tin Types. I couldn't pronounce the word, and I was like, what? And I got Mary Kate will say it. Um, I don't actually know what tin types are. I don't know. I think it has to do with medical stuff, maybe. I usually just assume if I don't know what they're talking about. Um... Oh, no. No, it's not medical at all. A tin type is a positive photograph that's taken on a thin plate made of tin. Uh, which, I mean, kind of makes sense for what Olivia was talking about. It's like about, a super old-fashioned photograph, but I was, I was thinking it had more to do with the tin man, was why they named it that. Yeah. So... Um, it came out on July 11th, 2014. Once again, it was rated 8.0, the highest rated episode of this season. Um, and again, for some reason, the age group that rated it the highest were uh, 45 plus men. I mean, there was a lot of gore in this episode. So. There was a lot of gore in this episode. It was. And the dudes love gore. I texted Monica last night that I was not going to be able to sleep after watching the episode. And I got worried. I was like, oh, God, this must be, like, concerning. And then I watched it, and I was like, eh, that's not bad. No, I was, <laughs> I was just, it was very gory, and I was very worked up. Like, I had a lot to say, and I didn't know how to, like, handle all the things that were running through my brain. That's very fair. That is very fair. There was a lot that had happened in this episode. Um, I feel like it was a shorter episode than usual. Wait, was it only 45 minutes? Yeah, I checked. I checked to see how long it was. Um, it All was the other episodes have episode. been 53. So this was the shortest episode so far, but so much happened. Like there was not a single moment yeah, of the lot. episode that was just blocked. Yeah, it was literally like intensing on top of intensing on top of intensing, and it was just like, um, like literally, I was like, because I take my notes on my phone now because it's like quicker for me to type it. I there's just like, oh my god, oh my god, what? Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just a lot of that. In there See, I never know how long the episodes are because I pause them to take notes. Mm-hmm. Because um, my thoughts are usually very long. And I cannot write them mm-hmm. quickly. Like sometimes my sometimes my notes just say like you're so dumb. Oh my god, fuck you. But like sometimes 
they're like paragraphs and I cannot continue my paragraph thought and not miss what's happening next. So I pause it a lot. So it usually takes me a good like hour and a half to watch an episode. So I don't actually know how long they are, but it did feel shorter. It was only 45 minutes. It was directed by Billy Gerhardt, um, who started as a his career as a steady cam operator which i thought that was dope um he did his first directing credit in 2008 uh in 2011 he directed four episodes of torchwood miracle day and um i haven't actually watched that it's the final season of torchwood and i never watched it because i uh didn't i didn't want torchwood to be over and because season three was so good but I've heard good things. Um, he also did CSI Miami, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, Walking Dead, Sons of Anarchy, all before this episode of Hemlock Grove. And then since Hemlock Grove, he's also done like a shit ton of like Once Upon a Time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Jones, SWAT. And he won an OFTA, the Online Film and Television Award for directing The Walking Dead. So. This is not an amateur production. Yeah, it was written by uh, our, our dude, David Paul Francis. Literally, my description notes under him, like, for directed by Billy Gearhart, I have this whole paragraph with all his credits and stuff. And then written by David Paul Francis, it just says, my main man. He is, honestly. Like, I, I love that. I love when he writes an episode or works on an episode in general. Like, he's really good. I mean, he, he has been, he and Jennifer Haley have been the story editors for this whole season. He's been, his character acting has been some of my favorite acting this season. His episodes have been my favorites. Like, also, yeah, he yeah. liked my, our posts on Instagram. So, like. Shout out to David Paul Francis. Shout out if you're listening. <laughs> love the man. Uh, yeah. So, um, the blurb said, while Peter undergoes questioning, Roman proceeds with his final transfusion. And then this second half of the blurb, I thought it was going in a very different direction. The second half of the blurb said, an unexpected alliance forms when a threat to Olivia's life is revealed. I read that and thought, oh, cool. Somebody's going to threaten Olivia's life and there's going to be some super alliance to protect her. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. Only the episode will tell. And us, of course. Just later on. This episode was very, very good. Very, Mm -hmm. very good. Also, I um, hate a lot of people. Yeah. By the end of this episode. Yep. There is a lot of turmoil going on. And uh, I mean, like, even in the cold opener, we pick up right where we left off with uh, poor old Peter Boy stuck. Now, like, we didn't see what had officially, like, happened to him at the end of the last, last week. But we see the aftermath of him getting caught. And he has this, like, basically 
poker collar like stuck around his neck and his hands. It's called a neck trap and it actually is a medieval torture device that was used um of course I did the research um it is a medieval torture device that was used um to hold prisoners captive um and uh usually the like chain that it was on is usually actually more of like a stick and they use it to like keep prisoners away from them but also the the points in the trap stop the prisoner from ever being able to put their head down all the way or eat so they basically die of starvation and they can't even like collapse because of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cute um and they're like also cutting his chest while he's like getting like images of like the wolf in his head um but then oh i know my my note says peter dude saying exactly what i'm thinking and i was like what did he say that i was so pumped about um so the cult leader bishop dude comes in and he's talking to peter about how the baby is a demon and they gotta like protect it and like something about god and peter goes I don't know what kind of fucking God you believe in, but y'all are sick fucks. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone said it. Right. And then the bishop, my next note says, is very angry because the bishop said, people always say that. They say that about everyone in history. They said that about Noah and then it rained. And I wrote, don't you dare use Noah's Ark to justify killing babies, you fucking monster i this man has me real worked up and this will come later where there's literally a place in my notes where it just says insert rant here this man has me real worked up also i'm just snap why because we are calling this dude the bishop it's not the other bishop no he's dead this is bishop scumfuck we're gonna call him bishop scumfuck yeah, I don't know what his name is. Francis eventually had a name. This guy doesn't yeah. have a name. Um, he's just a piece of shit. Yes, Bishop Scumfuck. I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently we now use Noah's Ark to justify killing babies. Yeah, which, what? Why? Who? No, not in this house. Not in this house. Um, so basically... Um, they're like, tell us where the baby is. And Peter says, I'm not telling you, dick. And then they're like, cool. We're going to torture you some more. More torture. Um, and then credits. Mm-hmm. Then after the credits, we flash to Roman, who is frantically calling Peter. And he's like, listen, I got your half-ass message. I don't know where you are or what you're doing, but you better not have tried to do this without me. My note says, of course he's trying to do it without you. This is Peter we're talking about. I literally wrote down and I said, are you surprised that he would do it without you, you dumbass? <laughs> right. No, he's got a Jesus complex. Of course he tried to do it without you. Mm-hmm. And so after we see Roman, like, he's, like, freaking out. He's like, I gotta go. It's the baby. And then Price comes in. He's like, oh, my God. It's like, is she sick? And he's like, no, no. It's just complication. And 
he was like, well, you have to, you know, like do this because like your enzymes, if you don't do this procedure right now, they're going to regrow and you will have to be a new peer and there will be no reversing. And there'll be nothing. Like once they mutate, there will be nothing we can do to get rid of them. If you do not have this procedure right now, you will be stuck like this forever. And Peter's like, I'm sorry, Roman's like, okay, fine, let's do it. Mm. And then. I love when Pricey's like, well, let's get you ready for prep. <laughs> I'm sorry, Price was cracking me up the whole Price, episode. Price had me roll in this episode. Really funny. <laughs> then we go to Nadia and Miranda. And, Miranda. and Miranda's like, what should we play today? And she's trying to get Nadia to play with blocks and Nadia's eating them because she's a baby. And Miranda's like, no, we don't eat blocks. And then uh, <laughs> and then she's playing peekaboo and every time she covers her eyes, Nadia does something with the blocks and she spells out her own name in the blocks. And Miranda's freaked out because this baby's freakishly smart, but like the baby is like a vampire incest baby. Like Exactly. And this is the only scene that I didn't get completely annoyed by Miranda. And like she was irritating, but I was like, oh, she's tolerable right now. But also, like, I can understand because if I was playing with a baby and the baby could suddenly spell, I'd be like, <laughs> what? Like, it's no- her her reactions are normal to things, but, like, also not at the same time. Um, and so, like, I mean, when I find out, when I find out that the dudes that I'm trying to have a throuple with are actually supernatural creatures, kidnapping a baby is not my first reaction no it's no like oh well it looks like i just need to get the hell out of here that baby ain't my concern she ain't my problem i mean the baby might be a little bit my concern but also if if a baby's parent is a vampire why would you kidnap the baby that's asking to be murdered yeah yeah and also i really love how the boys just didn't talk about how miranda you know kidnapped their kid like what and I say their kid because they're poor, poor, hope dadding it at this point. Uh, yeah. Then we go back to the White Tower and Olivia busts into Price's office and is like, Bish, what are you doing? She's like, you do not get to run your experiments on my children. And then Price snaps Price calls her the fuck out. He's like, he literally was like, cut the shit. You don't care about these kids. The only thing you've ever cared about is yourself. And he like calls her the fuck out. And she does not even fight back. She just sits down and was like, oh, I'm dying. Yeah, and also he's like, Olivia, you have the compassion of, a, of an arachnid. <sighs> like, Price was not messing around this episode. He called her out on everything. Whether <sighs> it, like, it definitely used to be true, whether it's true now, 
I'm still not 100% solidified on. But um, then he he's like, um, Olivia's like, listen, I'm dying. Why don't you, instead of giving Shelly this new body, let me eat it? And he's like, how would that even help? And so she explains to him all the bullshit that Dr. Chernobyl said. And he's like, have you been talking to this dumb Russian bitch? And Olivia just kind of looks at him and he's like, yeah, she's lying to you. Nothing she says is true. She has her own agenda and God help all of us whenever we figure out what it is. And I buy it. Like I did, I believed him in that moment that like he, like, I still don't know what side he's on, but I just, I just don't, I have a hard time not trusting him. Yeah. Very like with where his heart is when it comes to Shelly and stuff and the fact that he's actually trying to help Roman and it wasn't killing him. And like, I feel like he genuinely does care for their like Olivia's kids. I just yeah. don't know if he cares for Olivia as much because he also, I think, has his own agenda. But well, no, he definitely has his own agenda. But I just, I just don't think that his. When has his agenda ever involved lying to her? Like in all the years that the two of them have worked together and all the things that that they've done, his agenda has never. He might not have told her the whole story, but he's never deliberately lied to her. Yeah. And I just don't see why now he would just suddenly start lying. No, that makes complete sense. Like, I don't think he's lying to her. And plus, I didn't like Romanoff, bitch, anyway, because she, the last episode, like, it just her true like nature is really starting to shine through where I think she's looking at things for her. she's trying to have experiments where Price is not going to let her have these experiments so she's just doing like throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks well so. and then the next scene solidifies how I feel about her because Olivia goes down to talk to her or to talk to Roman or her or whatever and Roman is like all right, off to the last treatment so I can finally get rid of this curse that you put on me. And then uh, Dr. Chernobyl is like, it's the last chance. If you want to kill him, we got to do it now. And Olivia's like, he's my blood. Like, he's my child. I'm not going to kill him. And then this bitch quotes Stalin and is like acting like that is a good person to quote. Yeah. You said that comes from... If your moral compass comes from Joseph Stalin, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Facts. So, I was feeling really wishy-washy about how I felt about Price and whether he was lying or not. And then this bitch went and quoted Stalin. Yep. She said, Stalin for the win. But then... She went and got me all confused again because um, Olivia asked her. So when Olivia was upstairs talking to Price, he had said something about 
a cancer treatment that they were going to try to use that was experimental and like see if it could help her because like his experiments about genetic like mutation weren't made for opioid genes and he didn't think he could do anything but the oncologist that they like hired is like the best out there and he said something about this one specific plant and then olivia asked um selena the russian doctor about it and she was like oh it's a crackpot theory that's already been debunked so i was like shit is price lying now but like you said before like what point would he have to lie to olivia about price like lie to her about anything right and like she doesn't understand cancer why would he lie to her about a cancer treatment like he didn't have to say anything exactly and that that part made honest it was reverse for me where i realized that no price needs to be telling the truth she has to be lying well and i i felt that i felt like that's where i ended up was like that i still believed price but like it's hard because you're like you don't neither first of all none of us know olivia is just as naive as us because we which, also don't know which is so know. weird for her to be in the dark on something mm-hmm. like i feel I bad think, i think that's why i like olivia so much this season where i didn't like her last season last season first season she knew everything and shared nothing mm-hmm. like she was the secret keeper but this mm-hmm. season she's just as in the dark as the audience she's just as confused and vulnerable as the audience and I feel like I relate to her so much now yeah that's very fair I will I give you that that is a hundred percent a very um reasonable explanation for why I feel like the audience members are probably gravitating towards Olivia more this season and considering they were obviously keeping her in the show when originally in the book she dies and season one she's supposed to be dead so when we have when they want to bring her back they have to make her a more enjoyable character where everyone last season was like she's a fucking bitch so they put her shoes like well and also i think making her the antagonist for the second season again would just be stale writing like it wouldn't be as interesting giving um now because now we have this like as an audience we have this conflict because obviously the characters of the audience and I say that like you and I both feel this way but I think that it's the general audience perception is that the characters we care about are Rowan and Peter and so the characters that we don't care about would then have to be the ones that get in the way of what Roman and Peter are trying to do. Like that's how a story is written. You have like the characters that you are rooting for. But with Olivia, Roman clearly doesn't trust her. We have this desire for Roman to succeed and that means that Olivia fails. But this story has been written so well that we're at a point where we're like, but we're mad at Roman for not trusting Olivia even though we're rooting for him. Like there's this like tension that they've been able to build into her character. Yeah. Because like, if you ask me at the end of season one, who I thought the good guys, the characters that I cared the most about would be, I would have picked obviously Peter and Roman and Norman and Shelley. Like those would be the four people that I would have been rooting for. 
And at this point, at the end of season two, I, that is no longer true. Yeah. Like, I still, I still care about Shelly. I still think Shelly is perfect. She does no wrong. But her character is less someone that you're rooting for in this season. Like, I feel like she is less of an important character for herself and more of an important character for how she reflects the people around her. Yeah. So like when we see the way Olivia is talking to her, when we see the way Price is talking to her, we are seeing a side to these characters that we're able to then care about because we care mm-hmm. about the people who care about Shelly. Also, Norman can burn in hell. Yeah, and we'll get to that later. See, I think that they did a really good job with Olivia's character in the season. A, a really, really good job with her character. Um, I think for to make the audience, like I said before, understand her and sympathize with her and to carry her through a whole other season after she was yeah. terrible. They have to give her some form of redemption arc in this season. Right. And I like, feel- it's so crazy to me that my one of my favorite moments of season one was watching her get murdered. Yeah. And I think that um, for when it came to Olivia in, um, in this season, it's very hard because it's still like, yes, yeah, she's losing her opiorism. And so like, she's not so cold and sheltered and like, all this stuff and like pushing people away but when she gets her she's fighting so hard to get her oopierism back that when it comes back is she going to be the olivia she was before is she going to be carrying mom olivia or is she going to be the one that's trying to be connected with her kids or is she going to completely revert back and she's only trying to connect with her kids because she's losing everything else i think i don't know that's a good question i think that she wants I don't know that she wants to get her upirism back because she enjoys being an upir. I think she wants it back because she's afraid of dying. She's lived for so long without even the question of death that this is like so heavy. And for the first time in her centuries existence, she actually has people to fight for. Yeah. Like before Shelly and Roman and Norman, she didn't have anyone to live for. So now she finally has people to live for and she's dying. So she's the most scared she's ever been. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Um, Also, we've been on the scene for a very long time (laughs) um, discussing Olivia's character, which obviously when we do our chapter two, uh, chapter two, our season two recap, I feel like Olivia's going to be a very strong talking point for us this, for the recap yeah. this season. Um, after we have um, the thing where the possibility of this Russian asshole going in and killing Roman for his treatment, um, we go to uh, Norman in his office packing up like some stuff and you know it's like it looks like he's going to leave Hemlock. Yeah. And um, the PI walks in and is talking to him and he gives her like a lot of money and he's like here like this is for like extras I can do if like like do what you told me to do and get out of Hemlock Row there's nothing good here and I and wrote I wrote good get rid of that bitch exactly facts on facts on facts and then 
she uh she's like oh well thanks i appreciate it and then he, she's like well, what are you gonna do he's like i don't know i'm gonna go to paris or something you know before i fucking lose my mind or whatever yeah and um then the pi is just like here's a full-on smooch on the lippy lip for you my guy that was, was weird like broski mm. oh, no. like the walls of olivia not nearly as bad as her like sit down then we go to Destiny and some weird old guy. She's paying him. She's basically selling Peter to him to get rid of his uh, Vargolf. Vargolf. But she does not have a lot of money. So also she can't find Peter. Yeah. So <laughs> um, then we go back to Norman. And my note says, you are so dumb. Because he goes to Olivia's house in the middle of the day to just, I don't know, shoot her in the face. Like, I don't, I don't know what he thinks he's going to do. And then to make things worse, this dumb bitch shows up because she followed him. Yeah, PI ladies out there like... What do you think you're doing, Norman? Give me the gun. Give me the gun. I'm not an idiot. You're not the first person to tip me off with a bunch of chaos to get on out of here. She's like, I followed you from your house to the gun store to here. So mm, give me the gun. And then Norman. Uh yeah, and I just I just I hate her. But she takes the gun and she's like, Don't do this. She's like, is going to jail really worth her being dead? And he's, he's like, like he's like, you know what she is. Like, she killed, she killed my whole family. Like, yes, I will go to jail. Um, and then. We have a friend Hello. who doesn't have personal space. And then we go to a scene that literally shook me. Because, Boo, what are you looking at? He's literally just staring. He's so existential and, oh my God. Can I look at my... Boo. You need to learn personal space. Thank you. Um, because Price walks into his secret lab and he screams where is she and the voice that comes out of that man I, it doesn't, I genuinely didn't think it was his voice I thought he was like dubbed over by another scary man who's like where is she you know I was like I was shook it yeah Price was not effing around and he no, was no. like and everybody in the lab was just staring at him. I'm sorry, but that would not be my reaction. I'd be like, yo, what the fuck do you mean? Why is she? I would go find her. I would immediately, I would, first of all, that voice was terrifying. Second of all, I don't know if everybody keeps forgetting that Price could literally strangle any of them in a second and kill them. Yeah, with his superhuman strength. He's like, he's got Hulk strength. Everybody keeps forgetting that he could literally just like crush them. 
like that. If that man came in there screaming at me like that, I would be like, okay, here, here she is. Take her, please. <laughs> um, and then he says, you tell that backstabbing Cossack she needs to come see me. I was like, okay. Price is not effing around at all this episode. He was done. And um, then after this, we get um, we go back to Peter getting tortured still by these little effing d holes. And I think Mary Kate, isn't this where your insert rant comes in? Um, soon. Yes, I have a fun fact and then a rant. Um, so my fun fact. So the guy is the 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 brawn of this cult has this bottle, and he is of mercury and he is like do you know how many thermometers it took i had to break to get this much mercury and so i did some quick googling and fun fact mercury has always been named quicksilver because mercury the roman god was um the roman equivalent of uh hermes the greek god so it's the messenger god so moving very fast it's where the Quicksilver in the Marvel Universe gets its name from. Um, but somewhere in history, Quicksilver got um, demented or broken down into just silver. And that's where the idea that silver bullets kill a werewolf came from. It has never actually been silver. It's mercury that will kill a werewolf. It's Quicksilver. So he's gonna pour mercury directly into the cuts on Peter's chest. So mm-hmm. good. That's that's real fun. And poor Peter. I literally say poor. I, I have poor Peter with like a bunch of sad faces. Um. Yes. And then the lovely boss man of the cult comes out. And he is like, seriously, what's going on? Tell us everything. And Peter is not having it. And he quotes some lines. He took out a big chunk. He quoted like one line and then skipped four lines and then went to the end, which I was mad about. But he quotes um, the second coming by William Butler Yates, W.B. Yates. Um, and fun fact about me, I uh, have a degree in teaching English and I took a course on uh, romantic British poetry and I just about lost my shit at this moment. In fact, my note says, insert massive W.B. Yates rant here. So The Second Coming by William Butler Yates is a poem that was written in 1919 after the end of World War I about how humanity had fallen so far that even Jesus couldn't save us from the Antichrist, basically. And like that the horrors of World War I were so bad that like, like the line, um, and what rough beast it's our come round at last slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. Basically saying like the second coming of Christ won't be enough to stop the coming of whatever beast we as humanity have created. Um, 
But the point of the poem was specifically that even Jesus can't save us. It's a very existential dread poem. And um, the fact that this man who already used Noah's Ark to justify killing babies is quoting this poem as if he is somehow power enough to stop the Antichrist when the poem is basically like, Jesus couldn't do it. What are you supposed to do? Who does this yeah. man think he is? He is not Jesus. I was, Jesus. <laughs> I was so mad. So mad. Because first of all, also, they skipped a huge chunk in the middle of the poem that talks about beast men and lions and deserts and stuff and only used the lines that made it seem like this guy knew what the fuck he was talking about instead of quoting the whole poem and the lines that they took out. Um, if they had left them in, he would have sounded like a dumb shit who just reads too much poetry. Uh, <laughs> but of course, the cult that is picking and choosing what parts of the Bible they want to believe, of course they would pick and choose what parts of the poem they want to use to justify their bullshit. Mm -hmm. I am angry. And that is one of the reasons why I couldn't sleep last night, because I was just so fired up. That's very fair. I mean, you know, you had a rant, you got it out, uh, and now everyone knows. <laughs> And, you know, William Butler Yeats is a great poet. Like, you should, everybody should check him out. Uh, the Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. Read the whole poem. It's a very short, short poem. It's only two stanzas. And what the stupid Bishop Scumbuck said was half of the second stanza. So, like, but yeah, the poem is about the horrors of humanity after World War One, not about a demon baby. But thank you. You know. Thank you. you this is for my agenda, so I'm going to make it sound like it's for my agenda. So here we go. I'm talking stupid. But, after but this also that reminds me of my teacher that I had for that class because the, the professor that I had for that class, and this happens a lot with English professors where um, you will read a poem and they'll be like, what do you think this poem is about? And you tell them your interpretation and they're like, no, that's wrong. I'm like, said who? You're like, this is what the author was trying to say. I'm like, why did you ask him? Did, did he tell you that? No, no, okay, cool, cool. It's poetry, it's subjective. My interpretation matters too, asshat. <laughs> I, I love when we know about something, it's something about literature comes because you go on a tangent, like a astronomically large tangent about how fucked up everything is when it comes to literature at least in the show that we have been watching well yes but also just that's it's why I, one of one of the reasons why i want to teach university level like uh english is because i want to be the teacher who stands up there and says cool that's a really interesting perspective i like that because all of my literature professors were like, no, that's not what the author said. We're going to look at it through this lens. And I'm like, why? Because that's the lens you want to look at it through? Like, 
see like it's especially with poetry it's all like you said it's all subjective and i think hearing all your like if you become a professor for like a university hearing all your students interpretations of the poem and then being like those are all great this is what the author was thinking of in the time when they wrote the poem right and you can view for it right and like here's the thing i know that the second coming by wb yates was written at in 1919 as a direct thought and reflection on world war one because he said that not to me because obviously i was not alive in 1919 but like because he said that mm-hmm. but that also doesn't mean that technically this cult's like interpretation of it could be a valid interpretation and like because they're looking at it through the lens of what they believe blah 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 blah, blah. but also like I've literally had professors tell me that my interpretation wasn't valid because the author wanted to say this. And I'm like, he wrote it in 1605. How do you know what he wanted to say? True. True. Uh, so I'm glad you Thank you out. for coming to my TED Talk. Um, we're going to move on now. I'm really glad that you got that out. Cleanse your spirit, cleanse your soul. Now, more of this, after everything that Mary Kay had just discussed, we go into the PI going into Michael's office and he's like, she's like, mm, took this gun from Norman. He wants to like knock Olivia. He's like, just thought you should know. And then he's like, okay, yeah, cool. Thanks. Whatever. I'll look into it. And then she's like, I really think you should like put him in like protective care and like. And he's like, like, why? Cause he had a thought. I can't lock him like, up for his thoughts, bro. He said, he said he, he has a carry permit and he didn't do anything. What am I going to lock him up for? exactly and she's like well i just think maybe i don't know like lead him on like let him know that you're watching him and stuff like that and then he's like and michael goes oh speaking of doing things you shouldn't do uh how did you get olivia's fingerprints again all right cool hey sergeant (laughs) lieutenant he's like deputy i'm gonna need you to come in here for a second and then he puts a PI bitch into custody because she obtained evidence illegally by breaking and entering without a warrant. And He's, anyway, in court, all the evidence that they got from her fingerprints would have been- Would not this- be admissible because it was obtained illegally. So Olivia still has no record. And this happened after the OJ case. You think people would have been smart enough to realize how to obtain evidence properly? But no, because my note says, okay, Michael, I see you. Yeah. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. So then these motherfuckers are coming back in to Peter, you know, starting stuff up with him again. And Peter's getting real angry, like wolf boy angry. Uh, so, no, before, uh, but they're, right now, nobody's in the room. Yeah, right no now. one's in the room right now. They're and, like, they- alone with his thoughts so you start to see like his little like claw come out and i wrote i literally wrote you stupid fuck don't do it yeah like he's really tiptoeing <laughs> through with death and <laughs> the vargulf like he will become christina if he keeps messing with this stuff and so he sorry and the this guy- is not related to hemlock grove but i just need to say quickly that i don't know if you've ever noticed but in harry potter and the sorcerer's stone when Harry starts getting the letters and Uncle Vernon is freaking out, 
and he like starts to not in the movie in the book and he starts to like close off the mailbox and do ever all the stuff to try to not get any mail the book specifically says that while he's trying to like nail the mailbox shut he's singing he's singing to them through the tulips <laughs> And I just realized that a couple weeks ago when I was reading it with one of my kids and I was like, <laughs> what? I have no words. None. Anyway. Literally, brain empty. No thought. Peter is transforming to escape. And now Which, like, one here, the reason why I said don't do it is because truthfully, I was mostly nervous that the neck trap was going to get stuck because his wolf neck is thicker than his human neck. I was very concerned that he was going to accidentally kill himself trying to escape. That's how I was too. And I was like, oh, he's going to fucking kill himself. But he, before he completely transformed, the wolf strength came out and he just said, he snapped that bitch in half. And one of the guys were walking in the one like that was torturing him with the mercury. And he said, not today, bitch. And threw the spike at his head. Um, they, they did cut, there was a cut in between him trying to escape. They just showed him like clawing and they went to a different scene and then they came back. But yeah, because my note says, holy shit, Peter, he frisbee through that neck trap and it looked like Jesus and the crown of thorns on this motherfucker's head. Which honestly, funny, ironic symbolism. But they are not Jesus. Um... But so but the uh, scene that it cut into in between the two was uh, Michael went to Norman's office. Oh, and he, yes. And he was like, hey, uh, your PI friend came to see me. Um, she told me that you were trying to kill Olivia. And Norman's like, fucking harass me. Like, I don't what, what the fuck do I have left to do? And Michael's like, oh, no, no. I would like her dead as much as you. She killed my sister, and Norman's like, I'm sorry. Who didn't she kill at this fucking point? Yeah. And uh, I was like, I can't do anything about it because she thinks that I'm onto her. She suspects something. But you, you can kill her for me. And I was like, I was rooting for you literally 15 seconds ago. Um. That ended real quick. But after um, the scene with Norman happens and we go back and we see Peter wolf out. Now, he doesn't fully wolf out. He just gets strong. He never transforms into a wolf. And he uh, he throws the thing and then he starts to hobble out to his uh, tow truck, which I was like, Peter, they are smart. They're going to follow your car to wherever you're going because they know that that car sitting outside has been yours for probably the past mm, 12 hours. So they're going to follow it. Or if someone was in the trunk watching you, like they are, they are insane. They know what's up. Like, right. It was so not- I'm like, I mean, granted, like, yes, he had to get out of there, but going directly to the place where the child that they know you know where it is, is. Well, that's smart. I don't know. Stupid as fuck. Yeah. Peter said, I ain't thinking. No thoughts. And um, so he's driving. He's trying to call Roman. And Roman's all prepped up for surgery to get his final treatment. Um, and he's calling and doesn't answer. Yeah. Now, 
the rest the next like series of my notes because they again they keep going back and forth between scenes a lot and the next series of my notes just <laughs> they don't make sense but Are they with you and Shelly yeah my next note just says oh Shelly I love you yeah. um so Price comes to Shelly and he's like hey it was successful like the next step is ready like you know what's coming next and Shelly's like I know and I'm not scared like I know this is what's gonna happen I know this is what has to happen um and she's like does who does everybody know and he's like nobody knows and once everything's finished um we'll tell Norman and Roman but we won't tell anybody else and she's like I want to see my mom and he's like do you want to tell her and she said no I just I want to say goodbye and but then it was really cute he was like what are you going to do with your new body and she said I'm going to put on a bikini and learn to surf and then Price like laughed. He was like, "Oh my god!" Like he's like goofing around with her. And I think Price is like, he's the only one besides Roman that's been able to like appreciate Shelly no matter what she's looked like. Yeah. And he's gonna have a really hard time letting go of like Shelly, how she looks yeah. too. Yeah. Because a little glowworm, and like I think like he's gonna have a very hard time. I, I it felt like it was very hard for him. Yeah. Um, so then, so then this part did actually, like, I did tear up a little bit. Um, Shelly does go to talk to Olivia and, um, they, Shelly basically is like, I never felt like you love me. And Olivia's like, I didn't really know how to love anyone. And Shelly's like, that's not true. Like, you might not have loved people in the way that you think you were supposed to, but like, remember when Roman was the Tin Man in the school play and you stayed up for like all night for weeks making his costume and Olivia like starts telling the story about how Roman was so nervous and he didn't even say his line and she was so scared for him. And like, in that moment, Olivia realizes that like, she is the tin man and she does have a heart and she goes to Shelly and she's like I want to start over like I want I want to have a relationship with you and Shelly agrees but then says goodbye and literally my note says Olivia does have a heart and now mine is broken honestly it was very touchy moment because I think Olivia actually is trying like I think it was it was that moment that Olivia realized what she has been missing yeah is actually caring about her kids now after this scene it goes to the Romanoff bitch I know Don't because it- my note my note says fuck you Chernobyl yes this asshole is pulling out some poison that she was talking about to kill Roman and she's like put it in she puts it in a little pocket and runs down onto the experiment lab room and um 
she injects she's like mm, price wants me to give you extra little strength thing to help with pain and so then she shoots it into his iv bag and then his phone starts to buzz and he's like sitting there and he inches up and he's like Sh-. and you see it like traveling up the tube it was the to- most stressful scene like they filmed that in a way that you i mean here's the thing this is now 2020 slash 2021 there are three seasons i know for a fact that bill skarsgård is in every episode of all three seasons so is roman going to die no but if it were me watching this in July of 2014, knowing there was only one episode left and not having a season three confirmed yet, watching the scene, I would have been in utter panic. Yeah. It was and filmed It was filmed in a way where you literally did not know if he was going to make it or not. Like, yeah. Like, it is, like, it's comforting for us that we know. And even that we do know, and we can be like, oh, like, he's not going to die. Even, even us, knowing he wasn't going to die, my heart was... My heart rate was so high. I was like. And that's good. Like we know he lives and we still felt. Exactly. But so he's pulling, he's trying to check his phone and he finally gets close enough to his phone to see that he has a text from Peter that says they know about Nadia. So. And yanks out the things right before the serum gets into his arm. Like. Leaving. And I wrote, Roman, bye-bye human life. Yeah, Roman literally gave up the, um, like he said, like he's staying new beer now. Like he can't, he has to go he get ga- He gave it up for Nadia because is, even, so, at eight, even at 18 years old, he has more ability to be a parent than his parents ever did. Exactly. Ooh. And um, And so then my next note, my next note says Olivia with a heart because before we go and see what the fuck Roman has done now that he's pulled himself out of everything, Olivia comes downstairs to talk to Roman because she's like, after her moment with Shelly, she knows she needs to talk to Roman and she's talking to Price and she's like, uh, where's my son? And he said, he's gone. And she thinks that Chernobyl went through with it and killed him. And she like, panics and he's like no he didn't go through with the last treatment he left I don't know where he is but he's he decided and Price is not happy about it he's like mm-hmm. your legacy lives on he's staying in Upier like Price is not thrilled about the situation but Olivia's like I don't care if I'm gonna die I don't care that I have cancer I choose happiness I choose my life with Norman and my kids being happy and you know what like fuck it if I die in 25th years if I die in 10 years I I don't care mm-hmm. I figured it out I figured out that what I've been missing the whole time is love she said the tin man does have a heart and then Price is like I think we need to discuss about your habits with Merlot <laughs> and she's like this is not Merlot I'm not drunk I have feelings family and I'm like okay Olivia you're definitely on something now they are walking down into this one sub basement that has um, the uh, failed experiments in a tub, where the where Olivia and Roman feed from, and Roman while is in there. they are walking downstairs. Well, before the scene happens, 
Peter, not Peter, Roman has already busted through when Chernobyl was in there and she was scared half to death because she's like, bitch, you're supposed to be dead. And so- Like, open the door for me. And he goes in there, he's staring at the thing, but he's also like twitching out and he's like, eyes rolling back in his head. And then that's when it cuts to the scene with Olivia and Norman. So now he he literally hooked his IV that is still hanging from his arm up to the fucking machine and is getting like a straight infusion with the of this blood stuff and all the while Chernobyl's trying to sneak up behind him with her vial of poison to stab him uh then when Olivia and uh Price reach the room Roman is no longer there another is Chernobyl that we know of. Uh, I have questions. Because they get close to the tank and they just see Chernobyl's head just floating in it. Like, she's dead. He killed her. He yeah. said, snap her pop, put you inside that. I just want to know how she got in there. How did he put her in there? I don't. Honestly, I don't care. I mean, he's dead. It would be interesting to know, but that scene when her face just slides across the screen. My, first of all, I was so glad that she was dead. Mm-hmm. Second of all, Price's face, <laughs> when it happened, when he was like, this is why we don't, this is why we listen to me. This is why we don't do what I tell you not to do. Exactly. Like, drop. <laughs> But facts up, facts. And I wrote, um, God damn, Roman. Whew. He said, I'm going to kill this bitch. And I'm glad he did. Um, so then it goes to um, Peter, not Peter, Roman's house. Um, so he is in some very rough shape. He's getting, Destiny's there taking care of him. Miranda's there taking oh, care yeah, of him. Oh, yeah, because when Peter was running away in the truck, he called Destiny and was like, meet me at Roman's house now. And um, while he was trying to call Roman a million times, he also called Destiny. So Destiny and Miranda are trying to take care of Peter. He's a hot mess. Um, and the baby's upstairs. And then the doorbell rings and it's this wolf dude and Peter's like what the fuck are you trying to do and the wolf guy's basically like I can see it in your eyes you're so far gone if you transform one more time you will not come back and Destiny's like crying and she's like I just want you to be okay and then Conway (laughs) just busts in like this is not a frat house. What is going on? And he's yelling at everybody. And then, boom, arrow in his chest. Yep. And I wrote, and then, I wrote, poor Conway, even if he was a dick. See, um, then we are like, well, then we see like the silhouettes of like the guys in the mask all start coming. So Peter's like, Destiny, you, Miranda, and the baby, get your asses upstairs. Go. And they go up there, lock themselves in the room with her. And, you know, poor Wolfman that's supposed to help Peter, uh, shot through the heart. Um, And then, 
a Peter, so like then Peter grabs the arrow out of Conway and Conway slides off like down the wall and Peter's using the arrow that was in Conway to like stab the people who are in the house. And I wrote Destiny and Miranda's vision of the blood all over the house. Like that is what is happening right now. Yes. And then all of a sudden, this guy's about to shoot Peter and Roman just shows up behind him with the battle axe and whacks him, which is funny because in the last episode, Peter was like, what are you going to do? Take the battle axe off the belt, off the mantelpiece and like, which is exactly what, what Roman did. Which also, I have to say one thing. The whole cult is here. The whole cult. They're all just, well, because, you know, Nadia is the Antichrist. Yes. So they're taking out this call, you know, Destiny ends up leaving Miranda in the room, like, to go check on Peter, because Peter ended up getting shot in, in the arrow, in the chest with an arrow. And so then Destiny ended up leaving, you know, like, was starting to take down the one guy, but then the other one, like, attacked her. So then, wolf, so then Peter had to go, oh, wolf mode, which the wolf guy in the earlier scene said, if you change, you're yeah. not changing. Like if you go into another yeah, wolf, but he was like, but the guy, the cult was about to kill Destiny, and he was not about to have that. That's his only family left. Like he was like, nope. So he changed. He changed and killed that dude, and then Roman uh, is over here like feeding on people, like just like he like lifts off the mask just enough to double munch their neck, like exactly. And then the bishop fuck face, whatever we call them, shit fuck ass fuck i don't know asshole and to the window where miranda and the baby are in and miranda could not have been more goddamn useless more goddamn useless in her entire like literally she bashed him in the head with this thing he literally just like put he like threw her into the wall she was still conscious he had an arrow pointed at the baby and And she's like like, and she's just like please please don't hurt her like like you think he's gonna listen to you like i think he can't you throw yourself on him and take that arrow for the baby. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't sit it. and cry. But here's the thing. There's a point Miranda should stay useless. She ain't no bad bitch. She ain't cool. Because Nadia stares at Mr. Man, asshole fuck, and he just starts bleeding from his eyes while Norman is trying to, like, not Norman, Roman is trying to, like, Bear, like break the door down with the battle axe because of yeah. shit. Roman's ha- trying to break in because he knows somebody's in there with the baby. He hears... Miranda's screaming like a bitch and he's breaking the door down and Nadia's just like I'm gonna give you a brain aneurysm by looking at you yeah and so then he went kaput and Roman finally gets to the door and then she's like and Miranda's like he just started bleeding like bitch there is a common denominator here the baby was staring right at him go and you know baby got some magical powers you're not gonna say uh your kid just made him have a brain embolism we have to talk about this and then was, that was just and not- then roman just like covered in blood dripping from his mouth everywhere blood everywhere the baby's just like said that and like not you can see that nadia also has a bond with roman now whereas they didn't yeah before so like and he's like i love her and then miranda's like she loves you too i'm like miranda shut the fuck up no one asked and then all of a sudden there's starting to be this moment and then all of a sudden destiny comes in and Peter is chasing after her in wolf form, rabid as fuck. And Roman's like, why isn't he turning back? And Destiny is like, he can't. So 
Roman hands Nadia or Miranda the baby and he's like okay I got this and he's like Peter it's me and they're like staring at each other and they're having a moment and I'm like oh my god he's gonna magically not be a wolf anymore because of true love (laughs) only that that's not how that happened unfortunately that would have been way easier to watch than what actually happened where Roman rips open the wolf mouth and I'm like oh my god and then he's gonna kill him and Destiny's like you're hurting him and he's like crying and like you can hear Peter like crying as the wolf head is getting ripped open and then he puts his hand down the wolf's throat and pulls out Peter like pulls him out like a nesting doll and I was like excuse me sir how How, first of all how the fuck do you know to do that yeah how did he know what to do how did he know like to do it in a way that didn't hurt peter like what on earth just happened i'm confused also going back on this i didn't think about this until right now the way that shelly killed the wolf how do we know that christina is still not alive because Um, because before she ripped the head apart she ripped the head off and then when we saw Christina's body, the head was separated from the body. Oh, you're right. Never mind. Completely ignored. No, me. but but I also had the same thought. I was like, this killed Christina. How is it going to not kill Peter? Yeah. Um, and apparently he's like a nesting doll in the belly of the beast. And he just got yanked out. It was, um, Destiny also was not expecting that. Her face when Peter came out was like, the fuck are you doing in there? Um. I'm sorry, who, what, huh? Yeah. Um, and then they're all like, Peter is laying in recovery. Somebody sponge bathed him, probably Destiny, although I like to imagine it was Roman. Um, yeah. Um, and so he's laying there and everybody's surrounding him and Destiny's like holding him and he like <laughs> wakes up and then he's like, is it over? Like, yeah. Which of course means it's not over. Yeah. But here's the thing. The whole if the whole cult was there and the leader of the cult was there, they killed everyone in that house. Yes, except remember the Chancellor of the Order of the Dragon sent this guy to Francis and was like, just kidding, we're on his side, not yours. So it's not over. Oh yeah, you're right. I just kind of forgot about her. I don't know how, I don't know what, but specifically because they had a scene that was like, is it over? Yes, it's not over. And that will be taking place probably in season three. Yeah, but here's like, you you know, you know, they would not have had that scene specifically saying it was over. If it it was like, if it was actually over, they would have just moved on. And also um, the fact that um, we had just learned about the cult last episode. Right. And now a majority of it is dead. Which, you know, with the track record of the show, I would not be surprised if it was the end. TBH. True. True. Um, but then we have one final scene of Michael and Norman planning how they're going to kill Olivia. And uh, Michael brings Norman to a morgue to give him a dead body to practice stabbing. And Norman's like, I know how to stab somebody, I'm a doctor. And then he tries to stab the dead body and like 
bounces off the uh, sternum and throws the knife across the room. And Michael goes, well, good thing you're a psychiatrist and not a surgeon. <laughs> Which was funny, except for then um, Norman is practicing and he just keeps stabbing this dead body over and over and over again. Mind you, while it's going back and forth, like this is going back and forth with a scene where Olivia is laying in bed and singing a lullaby to Shelly. Yeah, and the, the lullaby is like playing while Norman is stabbing the dead body. And it was like horrible. And it was so horrible that even Michael's face was a little concerned. Like, what did I just get myself into? This man is unhinged. Yeah, and like, it's but just one- Repeatedly stabbing and stabbing. I and had stabbing. one um, factual error with this episode or with that scene. And that is that if this body was already dead and cold and in a morgue, there would not be that much blood coming out of the knife wounds. Because as Norman is stabbing, you don't see the body. You just see him stabbing, but then you keep seeing blood flash on the screen. There is not blood splash in a dead body. Yeah. And it would not be that bright red either. Yeah, it would be totally, it would not be that oxidized and it would not be, yeah. It would be more like sludgy brown. Yeah, and it also wouldn't splash like that. No. It would stick to the knife. It would drip a little bit, but it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be blood splatter on a a vein. Like viscosity to it, to where it would like stick. Yeah. But, but blood, blood, blood splatter implies a flowing of blood through the veins. If there's no blood flow, there's no blood splatter. Yeah. Uh, but they said blood. <sighs> and that was the end of the episode. I mean, they really didn't need any more blood after they literally just ripped a wolf in half and dragged a bloody body out of it. Like, I, I don't have to look at blood ever again for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. Now, on to the hot, juicy takes. Who are you wanting to punch in the face this week, even though I'm pretty sure I already know? Norman. Yep. I would have, like, suspected Norman or Michael for you. Yep. Um, I mean, my original thought was Dr. Chernobyl, but she's already dead. Roman took care of that shit for me. Exactly. That's what I love. Um, I'm going to say... Michael and Miranda. Michael, because he keeps, because uh, he's, he's so like flip switchy all the time and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like how crazy Norman is, but I, you all know Miranda, Miranda is my Christine this season. Yes. I, Christina, I'm sorry. Um, I just don't I, like I it. knew, I knew that no matter what happened in the episode, you would want to punch Miranda purely like, because she laid on the ground and cried instead of protecting the baby. Exactly, because she's a dumbass bitch. Um, now, my saving grace, I have a list. A list, yes, a list. A list of all the... Okay, I'm not going to do that. Um, please tell me, you know what that... The Bo Burnham's... The, the oh, sluts. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, I have a list. So, we got Roman, Price, Shelly, and Olivia. If I have to, like, I mean, those those are all for, like, finalists, but if I have to just pick one, it's really hard, because this episode was so good. 
but I have to pick Olivia purely for the moment when she said the Tin Man does have a heart. Like, that's fair. I just like Roman killed Chernobyl and took out those the, those dudes in a you know shitty way and stepped up to be a father and sacrificed something that he wanted. And so it, it shows that he, no matter even if he is Upia yeah. or not, he's not going to be selfish like Olivia was because he yes. put his like own child's concern and safety over what he wanted at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. I love the sacrifice that Roman made. Uh, just the way Price was so funny this episode, the way he was also sentimental with Shelly and kind of told Olivia straight up, like, right. you need to stop bitch. And then Olivia, just for, like, her character development she had, like, I, it was weird because I was, like, kind of rooting for Norman, because right? I'm used to rooting for against Olivia, but at the same time, like, but Olivia is changing, but I don't know but yet. Norman is just being so, like... My problem with Norman, the reason why I want to punch him and I just hate the way he's handling this. He finds out all this stuff about Olivia. He has yet to talk to Olivia. He went to Roman to see if it was true. But like, you've been in love with this woman and sleeping with this woman and having children with this woman for 20 years. You have a relationship with her. Yes, she did horrible things. But how does that change who she is? Like, you fell in love with the crazy, evil vampire witch that she was. Mm -hmm. Like, she's always been that heartless. This is not new. And it's just frustrating to me that he is, like... Like, he found out that Peter was a werewolf and that his daughter was sleeping with a werewolf and being impregnated by an angel. And he just was like, okay. I guess this is the world I live in now. He finds out that the woman he is in love with is also supernatural and in, and flies off the fucking handle. Like his his reaction to those two things are so polar opposites that I don't get what is going on in his head. I think it's more so the fact that she killed Marie more than anything. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. It's just like frustrating that he is not having any kind of like consistency in his character. That's fair. That is completely fair. Um, so next week is the season finale. Yep. I really don't have any idea how they're going to wrap things up like because they already killed the calls i think norman's gonna die hot take yeah he has nothing left to lose all of his family is dead he literally has nothing he is the only i think now here's the question is he gonna die trying to kill olivia or is michael gonna take him out because he loses control I feel like a. Mm, mm. I don't know. Because uh, Olivia, now she's all about having a heart and she loves Norman and she's trying to be a better person and she has lost a lot of her vampire strength. So, like. Also, now that Roman is fully up here and he can't get rid of it, mm-hmm. what does that do to his relationship with his mom? 
I mean, maybe they'll try over because of, you know. But he still, because he still doesn't believe her. Yeah. There's just, I feel like there's a lot to happen in this next episode, but also not a lot to happen because the whole cult storyline got wrapped up in a way that like, I don't, I don't really know what the plot of the next episode is going to be. So, oh, well, now you guys will all have reason to tune in next week because the season's actually been interesting. And talk about our last episode, and then we'll have our wrap up episode in two weeks. Yeah, Yeah, and then I don't know, we haven't decided what our in betweener will be because there's no theme, anything, but like. If you guys know of a good horror or sci-fi movie that is new or that you just like really want to hear about, let us know. So we can plan for that. Absolutely. Now uh, y'all should follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Death and Aliens and email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can follow me at E-M-K-N underscores, no, E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me on Instagram at Monica.Lynn underscore and Twitter at Mon underscore Lynn underscore. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Again, like, subscribe, comment, I don't know, all those things that YouTubers tell you to do. Yeah, and then same time, same place, uh, you know. Every Sunday morning at 6 a.m. I don't expect anyone to watch this at 6 a.m., but that's when it goes up. We'll probably see you on, if you're like me, like a rough, a rough noon. 10 10 p.m. A brisk 10 p.m. 10 10 a.m. I meant 10. No, she meant, she meant 10 p.m. Don't, don't. Yeah, I just woke up right now. Anyway, you guys have a lovely rest of your week and we will see you guys next week. And I hope the first week of 2021 is treating you well. Cross fingers, cross fingers. So, here's to that. Bye. Bye.